change your mind, change your money, change your life. I am Coach Rob Lee Simmons, the host of this podcast, and let me be your tour guide to greatness. If I was doing any better, I would be you. Welcome to the Greatness Academy podcast. I am here with my brother. We say my brother from another mother. You look at us. You you really believe that's my brother, right? John Johnson, man. How you doing, brother? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on. My little brother, Rob, I'm so proud of you, man. You really have grown up a lot, my brother. Man, you know I appreciate it. And a lot of the the maturity I've gained is through you and your wisdom and and watching you on your journey. I think it's a, a huge testament to how important it is to have a mentor, somebody who's been there and done that because they can tell you how to get there. And they can tell you the things that they did or did not do and tell you what not to do. And it'll help Absolutely. you get there faster. So I'm, I appreciate it, man. So I want to talk a little bit about your journey, man. So tell me a little bit about your journey into the, the film industry. So I appreciate it. When I was in the Army, man, we went to Iraq. You remember? We, all, all right. So me and Rob was in Iraq at the same exact time. And I found this chat when we was in Kuwait together and uh, tried to get him to end up stationed on the same plot as I was. But after we left that deployment, I came home. I got a job with Bandit Corps, United States Army, your Bandit Corps. And with the Bandit Corps, gave me the time. I knew I wasn't going to deploy, so I started film school, right? And I originally started film school just to shoot videos for myself. That's dope. That's super dope. You're like, you know what? I'm going to make it happen for me. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs start off making things happen for themselves. And then they get really into, like, much deeper into the game. So... Through your film career, you're able to acquire an Emmy. What does that award mean to you? And what does it mean to the people who look like you? It means a lot to me for two reasons, right? I don't really talk about my Emmy a lot because when I got the project that I worked on to get this right, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I asked you like. (laughs) The the project that I worked on to get it was a, a public service announcement for the Marine Corps. And the person who was in charge of the entire shoot didn't put my name on the, the paperwork when it got submitted, mm-hmm. even though I was a, an integral part of the framework of the show, the shoot. So when it won, I was proud that it won. I was a little angry, though, because I wasn't on the paperwork. So right. I ended up getting my Emmy because I had to call the Emmy people and tell them that I worked on the project, improved, and then they gave it to me. But for veterans and for young Black males in real life, especially young Black males who come from single-parent homes, I want them to look at it and be like, man, you really can get to wherever you want to be, right? I'm one of those people that, like, teachers used to tell me, yo, you're not going to make it. You won't do anything, right? You're going to become a statistic. I got in trouble a lot in school, but I'm here. That was 2018, right? And now we own a company. We got some things happening. So just don't ever give up. That's what it means to me. Don't give up. Yeah, that's real, man. So coming from Chicago, man, how did the streets mold you to not only be streetwise but as an entrepreneur and a advocate for others how did that teach you or how to navigate patience I well it's funny because like I grew up in the south in the south side of Chicago I have an entrepreneur in my family who was successful right so I got a chance to watch how he moved right and then I also have people who was on the start of game membership, you know what I'm saying? So they really gave me the tools on how to how to move. 
And then my great granddad was really the person who taught me how to deal with people for real. So when you put that all together, it was really like an easy mix of, of being able to get around. But what Chicago really showed me is that wherever you go, as long as you, you come with respect, typically you will receive respect back. But if you go to some place and you go sideways, if you almost nine out of 10 times will get your noodle knocked back. That's for real. So I come with respect. And most times when I come with respect, people want to help, help me out. No, that's real. So how do I pronounce your name? Hashim? Hashim? Nashan, my, my Hebrew name? Yeah. Nashan, yeah, yeah. What does that mean and where'd you get it from? <laughs> All right, so during my conversion process, my rabbi was like, All right, Shana, it's the point where you got to like find your Hebrew name. And I pray a lot, right? So I fasted for like three days and then I was reading this story online and it's the Exodus story. For me, my favorite part of the Bible is in Judaism, we call them parshats, right? It's like portions of Torah. So my favorite portion of Torah is portion boat, where it talks about the mixed multitude, right? And that's very important because if the divine wanted to tell you what the people look like, the divine would have said, these people look like this and these people look like that. And you know that because two parshats later is the Mishkan gets built and it's very specific on what it looks like for the Mishkan. So Nakshan, during the Exodus, Moses sticks his, his rod, his staff, in the, the, uh, the, the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea, right? But the sea does not part at that moment. I know a lot of people think that it does, but it didn't. But the, the divine demanded one more test of faith. So Nakshan, who was Moses' brother-in-law, walked into the... Uh, <laughs> he walked into the sea and it got up to his nose. And that's a very important key right there. It got up to his nose. And then that's when the waters parted. And then the angel Ariel moved in front, Michael and Gabriel, right? And then the divine was on top, right? So it was like, that was the, the point where they was able to move. So that's who Nakshan is. He's a very important person that happened in, in the Bible. People don't really recognize that he's there, but every single time that you're talking about the tribe of Judah, right? Nashan is always the, the first name that they mentioned. He was the elder in the in the clan after that. Mm -hmm. Hey, that the in the story that ma that makes plenty of sense. That makes plenty <laughs> of sense. You are a, a tester of fate for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is the other part. Like when I got my name, I called my mom right because I used to read the the New Testament a lot. I grew up Baptist, right? So I called my mom and said, hey, I think it was Peter, right, who was talking to, to Jesus, right? Jesus, is on the, he's in the middle of this turmoil. The sea is going crazy. He's, like, standing there, and he's, like, talking to the divine, but he's focused on the divine, right? And it's, like, everything's going crazy. Peter looks at, at Jesus and says, hey, Rabbi, can I come out there with you, right? He said, yeah, come on, right? So he starts walking out. He's good. Then all of a sudden, boom, he's in the water. And it's up to his nose, just like Nashan, mm -hmm. right? At that point, Jesus grabs his hand and walks him back to the boat, right? Jesus turns around, tells the sea to be calm, right? This man said, Peter says, well, what manner of a man can walk on the water, right? And tell the seas to be calm and they are calm, right? And he said, Jesus says to Peter, you could do it too, as long as you have faith in the divine. He said, when you were walking on the water, you had faith in the divine. The moment that you ch you shifted your focus, right, that's when you went under the water. So it was that moment when he was walking on the water and he was like, oh, my God, I'm doing it. Yeah. So don't uh, think about the fact that you're doing it. 
because you're doing it. So that's why I tell people when they're getting into a new venture and they say, oh, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. Well, the thought was to try. The moment that you put any action to it, you are actually doing the thing. Mm. We got another one, y'all. We got another one. <laughs> My episodes be fire, bro. <laughs> I, love I got the best guest, period. I got the best guest, period, man. So let's, let's talk about the Hip Hop Party for Change, man. Tell me a little bit about it. What does it do? All right. So the Hip Hop Party for Change uh, aims to educate young people from pre-K to the first year voting on how they, on what the political system looks like, right? So from pre-K to fourth grade, we'll teach a local level government, whether that looks like town or city, with the anticipation that in fourth grade, they'll be able to articulate what the local level government does, right? From fifth grade to ninth grade, we'll teach state level government. And in eighth grade, we'll partner whatever hip hop thing they're doing, whether it's make, they writing rhymes, they doing songs, they're making beats, whatever it is, they start a business, whatever. We're going to partner with them on that business in eighth grade so that they can understand. And then we're going to start a business for them so that they can understand how business and individuals relate to the state, right? With the anticipation that by ninth grade, they'll be able to articulate what the state level government does and what the city level government does. But also moving into a high school space where they have a business that allows for them to make some money, like, you know, through the high school process, right? So then from, from 10th grade through the first year of voting, We'll teach the federal level, right? And we'll teach how it plays a role into everything else. The anticipation is that by eight, by the first year of voting, we'll have concretized strong voters, right, who understand the political system and they'll understand they'll have the know-how to change the system, right? And then our overarching goal is that by 10 years, we would have created some of the most informed voters that the country has ever seen, but we move away from the tiered party system into a system that's more based in in helping all Americans realize their greatness, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. My thought is the concept of this idea is amazing. Where did the initial thought come from? And then what is your plan of growth for the organization? So as, as a young person, I was always into politics. My mom made me political savvy young. But also all of my, a lot of my heroes were like Fred Hampton, chairman of the Black Panther Party in Chicago, Huey P, Bobby Seale, um, Martin Luther King, Dr. King, Malcolm X. These are like a lot of my heroes, for lack of a better way to phrase it, kind of got <laughs> murdered by the government. So I was like really into their stories and what was going on at the time. Well, at the time the country was was in a, in a different space, but seeing the uprisings during the George Floyd uprisings really kind of motivated me. A lot of people know I'm a survivor of police violence. So when it happened, it just really kind of shook something in me. And I wanted young people to understand that they do, that they are part of the system, right? Because typically right now, what, what young people learn is that you don't matter, you don't matter, you don't matter, at, all the way up till 18. And then 18, they're like, yo, go vote. Who to vote for? You don't know why you voted, what it looks like, what to do. Right. So then typically we go with tradition and we vote with who our parents voted for. And that's terrible because some of the people that our parents voted for make terrible decisions for us. You know what I mean? So if we could understand how if the young people can understand, even us, if young people start to understand how political education works, they can teach their parents who don't know 
and then it can go through the family and then we can change lives for real. Yeah. And you drew up some great points. And I think a lot of people need to understand some of these points as well is that a lot of people in office, when they're changing policies, you really don't get the impact of the policy until years later. So to be able to educate the people who will be affected by these policies will allow them to understand. I remember when my mom or dad did or did not vote for this policy when I was learning about politics. Now I'm here and I clearly understand my responsibility as a voter. I think that's super dope. That's super dope. If we take it to like a really basic level that people can understand nationally, right? Everybody knows about the Flint water crisis, right? How did we get there? We talking about a city inside of a state inside of a country, right? So the federal level don't really didn't really have nothing to do with Flint's water system, even though we can blame the federal system because they taking things charge of everything. So now we break it down to the state. So how does the state bypass Flint and not do anything with this water? Well, there's a point where Flint City Council is coming together, right? And they're saying we got to vote on upgrades to the water system. None of the citizens are present. Only people present is the city council and people who favor not doing anything about this water system because they can use the money to allocate towards something else. So if the people, the citizens, don't know that they could have just sat in the in the city council meeting, voted, no, we don't want to do whatever stupid thing you're doing. Yes, we want to upgrade our water. Every month, the city council has a meeting. And when they have a meeting, the entire city is invited to it. And when you come there, they vote on initiatives, who's going to close what school, what school they're going to open, who was going to get funded, what's not going to get funded. And you can make it, you can literally sit in there and make a decision right there. That's the reason why, this is the last thing I'm going to say on that. If you notice in your city, when they're going to put up a new building or they're going to knock down something, in front of that thing, there's always this little sign that says, it says like city council meeting, and it gives you the date and the time and like the record number and everything. It's, a little, it's like a small sign. They have to put it in that space. The reason why they're doing that is because they're alerting you that the city council is going to vote to do something with that space, whether it's to demolish it, turn it into something else. And if you're a community resident, you can decide what goes in that space. You can say, no, I don't want another gas station. No, I don't want another fast food restaurant. Yes, I want a library. Yes, we want to put some money into this school. So be aware of what's going on. Go to the city council website and they can you see what's happening in your local community. Oh, man. I'm, as always, you know, <laughs> I, I am a true student, but my favorite, my favorite part about having on guests is the ability to record it because, number one, Guests only realize halfway through the session that I'm getting free counseling. And so (laughs) (laughs) I get free counseling. So if you watch all 26 of my episodes, you'll see how I took a a piece of every guest that's been on so far. And that's what makes me who I am, man. I really appreciate your knowledge, brother. Ever since I've known you, you've always soaked up knowledge, right? I watched you like realistically, right? I watched you become the dopest like MC in our group, it's because you was like studying how to be the dopest MC, yeah. right? And like that was like a really good thing. Like I watched you grow into things when you started in the army. Remember, I gave you I gave you my book that I used to study for the board, right? I don't need this right now. You can have this. I want you to be the dopest soldier that you can. Then you just started rocking everything. Remember, basic training one the soldiers like he was like really doing things. So. You've always been a student of the game, and it's not that 
that your guest is really just uh, that that they uh, are giving you free counseling that they don't know it, right? It's a blessing to be able to come on your show, right, and be able to impart knowledge on other people, but then also learn why you are there. I don't know why I'm here, right? I just love you like a little brother. Like, yeah. I don't know why I watch you, why you want to talk to me, but if people can get something out of this, you can hit me at the Hip Hop Party for Change.org, by the way. But if anybody want to uh, want to get in soon, you like, I really do appreciate opportunities like this to spread the word, to uh, try to do good for, for people, man. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's amazing, brother. I want to get back on a hip hop party for change. And mm-hmm. just because it just provoked a lot of thoughts about having kids involved in political parties early. <laughs> How can parents better influence their children to take part um, in ownership of understanding political policies and their rights? to vote and make change in their community? I would say don't expose your children to national elections until they are at least 12 years old. They don't need to know what's going on in the national scene because it doesn't it doesn't really affect them for real. It's a dog and pony show at, at the very, like, the basic of it. I would say do things like go to your state capital if you can, right? If you can't engage with your uh, state reps, right? You should know who your state representative is. The person who goes on behalf of your neighborhood to your state legislator to go do stuff, you should know them. Call them. They are literally talk to you. They will answer the phone and everything, right? You should know who your city council person is. Call your city council person. Introduce them to your child. Invite them to your, your cookout, right? Like... These people live in your neighborhood, but they provide the opportunity for you to be civically involved. Go to City Hall. It's a trip, right? If you're a teacher, right? Plan a trip to City Hall or the City Council or the school board, right? Go to a school board meeting if you're a parent and sit there. Become a member of the PTA, right? Like there's a lot that you can do to show your child how to be civically involved. The engagement in the federal system doesn't make sense if they don't know what it does, but if you show them, hey, I'm a member of the PTA, we vote on these things to help the school. Now they understand what voting looks like, right? You take them to the city council, you say, or you watch it on TV. Your city council, they do Zoom meetings now because of COVID. Watch it on Zoom. Just sit and watch it. People say, oh, well, that's boring. And, okay, it's boring until they shut the school in your neighborhood and then your kids got to go up across the way and get treated terribly, right? And get, you know, racially profiled on the way there. Okay, so if you stay in the neighborhood, you watch city council. I'm telling you, you can vote. The voting window will be open. They like, yo, it's thirty. You got thirty days to tell the city council you don't want this thing to happen. City council be in there like, please, on day twenty nine, don't, don't. <laughs> so go, just get engaged, man. Just if you don't know, your kids will never know, right? But we have a couple of resources. We developing more resources on the website, right? But right now we have two resources on the hip hop party for change.org website. One is, what does the city council do, right? And it gives, like, the regular jargon that you'll find on anybody's website, but it also breaks it down, right? They'll put it in labor terms, right? But go to your city website. Know who your city council person is. Talk to them. Tell them what school your child goes to. Introduce them to your child. And you know what I think is a, a super valid point is I'm just trying to separate my thoughts. So... When you talk about not allowing your children to watch national elections, I think that in itself has drawn a big conflict 
within communities because when people look at the president, the vice president, they feel like these people are untouchable and hard to get to, barricaded in, bulletproof doors. But your local political officers are literally members of the community and should be available for you, right? And so even that piece and educating people on how responsive and responsible for being responsive that your local political office holders are would really open gates. Because again, like if you ever seen or received a congressional, you know how easy it is <laughs> to get to the office and get somebody on the phone and, and them take the story, them take the little two page note and get things done. I mean, it's not only easy to engage civically, but you got to make it fun, right? If you allow your children to watch the federal elections before the age of 12, first and foremost, they will be confused as to what's going on. Why is it that there's a group of Americans who control half of America saying that half of America don't deserve something? And then the other half is saying the exact same thing, right? So for me, People always be like, oh, I'm you crazy for that. But like, I take it back to George Washington's farewell address, right? It was written by Alexander Hamilton. And now remember, this is the dude that made, that helped America become America. Like, that guy, five-star general guy, right? General George Washington says in his farewell address, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, we did this together, right? We did this as one country. We don't need to allow for a two-party system to come in. In the moment that we do, this is in like 1789, in the moment that we do, we will lose the ability for Americans to understand that all Americans deserve things, right? And then they will open the opportunity for foreign governments to subvert our government, right? And for us to care about things that's not going on home, that we will end up becoming a military uh, powerhouse, right? This is in 1789. This is advice that he's given us, 1789. It's written by Alexander Hamilton, so it sounds real sweet. Right. But he never says black, white, and Native American, even though we know at the time it's black, white, and Native American people living in the country. He said, we did this together. Until we approach politics with the idea that we're doing this together, then we're not going to ever reach the point that we got to get to. It's like we've been fighting against the grain the whole time. As a social justice advocate, what mm -hmm. is your ultimate goal that you would like to accomplish with your time? Realistically, I would like for young people to be politically educated. I, if, if every American, right, read the farewell address that I just was speaking about, added to their repertoire, I understood that he don't say any color, right? And we it's like the blueprint to work into a one America. I chose hip hop as a lens for the hip hop party for change because hip hop did this right here. American hip hop, gave space for every single identity in the world. Does not matter what your identity is, hip hop gave you a space and gave you the opportunity to, to spread your voice, right? So that's the lens that we take it for the hip hop party change because we giving every young person the opportunity to understand your voice matters, you do count. You did what I'm saying? We want them to be savvy because that is going to be the thing that moves the needle forward. The more that they understand this one team in one fight, the easier it is for us to win at whatever we do and all Americans will be included. I do a lot of TikTok and all I'm thinking is I'm going to be doing shorts of these videos 
and the video's gonna be so hard with the Emmy in the background. Like <laughs> Emmy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, so what's your what uh, in terms of what's next for you in your career and with the organization? What's next? What can we expect from you in the future? Well, I just actually got asked to in Baltimore City, there's no specified curriculum for social studies, right? So social studies teachers are allowed to align with whatever they can to try to get some uh, some things in. So one of the congregants at my synagogue actually is a second grade teacher. So she's going to allow me to come in for a week <laughs> and educate her students on some political stuff. So that's going to be number one. But then we also are working with some people who do implica- implement education into Baltimore City schools to get the hip hop party for change added to the curriculum so that we can just kind of start touching every school in Baltimore. Maryland being a proven ground state, we understand that when it works in Baltimore and then we roll it out to the rest of Maryland, then we can roll it out to the rest of the country and it's going to be completely as effective as we think it will be. Fire. Fire. I love it, man. I love it. So I'll ask every guest that joins my show, I ask them this question. What is the largest monetary purchase you made and then how did it make you feel? Man, the largest monetary purchase I made I bought a house when <laughs> when I retired from uh, from the army. It was two hundred and fourteen thousand nine hundred dollars in Mississippi, right, Southern Mississippi on the Gulf Coast, Gulfport, the five bedroom. I really felt accomplished for for a minute, right, the first you know little while. I felt accomplished, but then I felt wrong because like the space that we was occupying just it wasn't culturally significant enough for me and my family to uh, to be enriched and it felt really like a loss at that point. But I gained the understanding of how to purchase a house and why you should be in a place where you're comfortable, right? And the place where you feel like you want to, that way you don't mind like being forever before you purchase a house. It's not just something you run into and just be like, oh, I got a house. Nah. <laughs> and that's a good lesson learned, man, especially in my line of work, people rush to the American dream, which is to have the house, but digging a little bit deeper into the why is how people find fulfillment and purpose. But I say that to say, thank you, brother, for joining the show. No doubt. I appreciate you having me on. I I gotta say this. I got the Emmy, right? If I don't say, please go and watch our films, Vetrepreneur Visions, look at that. How easy, look at that. Promo, (laughs) right? If you all can go see our films, right? Our latest is uh, What Will Picasso Do? If you all could just go, and it's on Tubi for free right now. So you all could just go watch our films. It'll help us get economically in the space, but we can help more veterans enter the film circle. I'll drop a link in the comments on the YouTube as well. Hey, so on the show, we say that winners win and we win when you win. And we want to thank you for being a winner. Hey, little bro, I love you and there's nothing you could do about it. Thank you for being a winner. <laughs> and everybody watching, thank y'all for being winners too, because obviously if you didn't feel like this was helping you win, you wouldn't be tuning in. So thank y'all for tuning in. All we doing is shining, man. We got to grant till it's over, dick. Uh, you already, man. Hey, uh, hold tight, man. We'll have a conversation after this. But as far as the show, we are out. Boom. Thank you for joining the podcast. And remember, change your mind change your money, change your life. We out.